Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the CAAV podcast. I'm your host, Aled Jones, and in today's episode, we'll be taking a closer look at the future of farm support in Wales. Following the consultation documents of Brexit and our land, and sustainable farming and our land, the Welsh Government is committed to developing a system based on paying farmers for environmental outcomes. The white paper that was published last December makes a number of proposals and paves the way for an agriculture bill to be presented in the new Senedd. While much of the detail is yet to be finalised, we'll be talking through the next steps and trying to work out what all this means for landowners, farmers and advisors with Jeremy Moody, the Secretary and Advisor to the CAAB. Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us. Perhaps the best place to start is with the Welsh Government's Programme for Government. What does that tell us? Yes, the Welsh Government uh, has published after the, the election in May, it published its programme for government, saying what it wants to do during the life of this Senate running from 2021 to 2026. And they've laid out 100 measures. Uh, some are programmatic ones, administration, but clearly significant items of legislation that they want to deliver. It's not on the whole particularly agricultural. There is one the one significant agricultural policy which, if I quote, is to create a new system of farming support that will maximise the protective power of nature through farming. So you are looking at a change in farming systems um, uh, from the government's point of view and one that is in harness with the environment. And you'll find that a driving theme coming through in all parts of the United Kingdom. But we'll look at how it's framed here in Wales um, in in, in this podcast. It then moves on to look in a number of ways at timber and woodland, um, with a number of references, Uh, clearly very interested in the notion of a north-south national forest and looking at what can be done in terms of a timber industry, alongside that the protection of ancient woodland. There are a number of measures it looks at around flood protection, Uh, nature-based flood management, again a rural land use in all major river catchments to expand wetland and woodland habitats. So that's flood management mostly one imagines for houses, for business, for people, but doing so in ways that support nature, wetland and woodland. Sustainable drainage systems within uh, development, that just continues where we are, but looking at additional flood protection for more than 45,000 homes. So presumably their schemes are in mind for that. We're looking again at water quality, uh, and a lot of that will come through. Um, We have restoration around the coastline of seagrass and salt marsh. Measures around energy, looking at decarbonising the the power supply to housing, looking at renewable energy generated, particularly by public authorities and by um, local communities. So quite a substantial agenda around rural land use, energy, nature, water management. But within that, we come back to the prospective agriculture bill that's the main purpose of this talk. And climate change is another key thread running through the Welsh Government's thinking and the new ministerial appointments that there is now a Minister for Climate Change and a Deputy Minister, which clearly shows the intent of the Welsh Government. I think that's very clear and there are parallel developments in Scotland. And I think what you're seeing is 
almost by the month, an increasing emphasis on climate change as the framework for policy, now joined by, however you want to describe it, biodiversity, nature, habitats. Uh, those two are the driving elements of policy, and rural land management is very much uh, in the eye of this particular storm. So looking ahead then at um, the Agriculture Bill, um, the Welsh Government have promised that it will be put forward in the first year of the Senate, which um, I I believe the the bill is due to be presented next year, which technically is still in the first year of the new Senate. Um, When can we expect to see it? I think it's likely to be around Easter. I think it's late spring uh, to be within that definition of the first year, of course. Uh, But the time taken to work up the detail of what will be the first major Welsh Agriculture Act ever. While we have had two major consultations, we then had the white paper, a lot of background thinking has gone on. This is is the bill that will be the act that will replace the Agriculture Act 2020 and provide the framework for the Welsh Government to manage a full devolved agriculture policy. And that's a big ask. Yeah, and obviously we've seen the white paper from the government. Does that white paper give us any more clues as to as to the way things are going to be looking like, and in particular the, the, the shape and operation of the new sustainable farming scheme? I think you have to look at this in the context of the two previous consultation papers. The first one in 2018, Brexit and our land, then followed by sustainable farming and our land. And those developed a vision of moving from basic payment, uh, quite probably at an earlier date than will now happen, to the sustainable farming scheme. And that is intended to set up contracts with people who have rural land, farmers and others, to deliver improved environmental outcomes from land. Uh, And that might be improved biodiversity and habitats. It might be sequestering carbon. It might be the management of nutrients. It might be any one of a number of things, and including, as we've just said, uh, it could be flood flood management and attenuation and other goals. But these would be contracts seen as business propositions between the state and the farmer to plant woodland, to manage land in a particular way, uh, supported by grants for capital works aimed at improving the, the economic resilience of businesses, quite possibly some further work downstream in the supply chain, but building on that theme of sustainability in the environment and sustainability in business. That was mostly said in those earlier papers, and the white paper didn't really add a great deal to that. The one thing probably the white paper was quite clear about was that it is not looking at this being paid for on a compensation basis as the EU has paid for things. What I mean by that is that under the EU and its rules, you were paid payments for glass tier or other schemes for the income that you forewent by going into it or the costs that you incurred. So it was in principle a compensation scheme. What they're looking at now, and they haven't put too much flesh on the bone, but the principle is clear. What they're looking at is to identify the level of payment that makes this a sensible transaction that gives value to the state from the farmer and gives the farmer an economic reward from doing this, just as you would in any other business contract in life. Is there value? Is there economy? 
Is there a deal? Does it suit both people? And that's going to take a bit of exploration to bring to, to, bring to book. Uh, and we're seeing DEFRA in England go down similar roads and begin to develop thinking on that. But that's a significant break with the past. But it is to achieve outcomes by people acting voluntarily across the landscape of Wales. The big thing on which more detail came in the paper, perhaps than we've had before, is on the what, is, what the law will expect of farmers. So what we have broadly known under the CAP with single payment and basic payment as cross-compliance goes with the end of the CAP payments. And what Wales is looking to do is establish a minimum baseline. It's going to be called National Minimum Standards in Wales, that says these are the things the law requires, just as it requires things of any other businessman, will require from farmers as part of simply the business of being a respectable farmer. That may very largely replicate cross-compliance. We wait to see. But you can easily see that things like the water resources regulations uh, brought in earlier this year in Wales wouldn't form a natural part of this. But they are proposing then that there be civil penalties for this, so it's not necessarily a matter of off to the magistrate's court, rather perhaps than penalties under the payment scheme. But again, we wait to see the detail on that, but this will set a baseline that farmers will be required by law to meet. Land management over and above that is what the sustainable farming scheme will offer contracts for farmers to deliver by mutual agreement. And could there be an overlap between the cross-compliance element of the current BPS and the new minimum standards? Because it's not going to be an overnight transition. There's going to be a, a gentle transition, potentially, between two schemes. Yes, the, the, the delivery of the Welsh scheme has been delayed by chances of timing to some extent. The original Welsh planning was around Brexit happening in March 2019, rather than as it in finally happened in, in effect at the end of 2020. That then meant there was no time before the elections of last May. And so they're now having to start now. That means that basic payment simplified a bit in Wales, greening has gone, and some of the administration has been simplified and made more humane. But that was in place for this year, it will be in place for 22, and it will be in place for 2023. It begins to matter that we will start seeing some change in 2024, but the sustainable farming scheme itself only comes in from 2025 and is likely to be phased in some way. And if it's phased in, then that suggests that basic payment is being phased out. And so perhaps some changes to basic payment in 2024, and then it progressively being withdrawn in some way over the following years in the second half of this decade. So the basic payment scheme would, unless cross-compliance is revoked, be subject to cross-compliance. And the new scheme would have its own arrangements and managing the interaction between the two is one of those difficult things in drafting this legislation. Uh, and you mentioned there the um, the extension to BPS, which was announced by the Minister for Rural Affairs, Leslie Griffiths, recently. But that extension is subject to a proviso. It's subject to Treasury funding. Is there any indication that funding levels will maintain largely at the same levels? Because there has been some disagreement between governments in Cardiff and Westminster over funding levels. The position on funding is that we have a Treasury assurance of level funding through till 2024. What you've got is a perfectly prudent statement from the Welsh Government 
protecting itself against any any sudden changes. There is a difference between the Welsh Government and the Treasury over an understanding of how agri-environment payments that weren't spent should be treated, and that's a point of contention. But the Treasury's view is that the money that's on the table is level until 2024. That's ahead of the spending review that's been stated uh, to come later this month. What happens after 2024 is at the moment a completely open question. But I think beyond that being a prudent statement by the Welsh Minister, uh, it's not a particular concern. And with the um, presentation of the Agriculture Bill next year, we're expecting more details about how the new sustainable farming scheme will work. That will go alongside the bill and um, will, of course, be subject to, to debate within the Senate chamber, but uh, subject to a lot of um, detailed analysis, I, I'd imagine, by, um, by many of the agricultural unions in Wales and bodies, of course, eager to know what, what this scheme is going to look like. A lot hangs on the shape of the sustainable farming scheme. And my understanding is that the Welsh Government, in going to the Senate, wants to be able to put on the table, if you like, a good working draft of what the scheme might look like. They are not going to say this is the final form because they're looking at co-design with farmers. They've done some co-design work already with a number of farmers and they'll be looking to do a lot more to work it up and work it up in more detail and for the various things that it has to deliver. But in terms of their dealing in fairness with the Senate and indeed with the farming public in Wales, this is a sensible move to put something on the table so that people can have a concrete idea what they're talking about, see where it goes, but with the view to discussions, making it more practical, making it better, and quite possibly developing it as the increasing pressure around climate change and biodiversity becomes more intense. That process between a statement issued in spring 2022 and the first real delivery of the scheme in 2025 could see a lot of water flow under the bridge. It does give uh, a bit more time for, for that design work, but uh, still it's not a huge amount of time to get things right either. Exactly. This is a tight timetable because as background that we haven't talked about is that the Agriculture Act 2020 by the Welsh Government's own request, provides for the powers that it now has under that Act of last year to manage agricultural policy in Wales as it has inherited it from the EU, those powers expire at the end of 2024. So new powers need to be in place and in place operationally so that they, that, that they can be used by the end of 2024. If we look at the Agriculture Bill, it comes in in, let's say, late spring in 22. That will take quite a period of time to go through the Senate. People will want to look at it in detail because it'll be there'll be much more in that bill than the areas of policy that we're talking about so far. It will cover the other parts of managing an agricultural policy. That becomes law. That then will require more detailed secondary legislation, statutory instruments to give legal effect in more detail in ways that are then easier to change later on. It will require the scheme to be developed and worked up, the IT systems for that to be developed and worked up, and then all to be in place for the end of 2024. That's a tight timescale. 
absolutely. And the other element of the scheme which we are aware of and is is um, within the current thinking of government and another element which will need to be completed before the beginning of 2025, that is undertaking a farm sustainability review on each of the holdings that want to participate in this new scheme. The Welsh Government ha- have put a lot of emphasis on the value of advice and it seems to be have, um, led through to this sustainability review, which is going to be a, a core part of the entry into this new scheme. Yes, as we understand it, and again, detail here is sketchy, but quite, a, but, but, but it's been a key feature of the consultation papers as they've developed. And again, we wait to see more of what it might look like in reality. But a precondition, as you've said, for entering the sustainable farming scheme would be that as a farmer, you have had a sustainability review. We understand that to mean a look at the business and financial sustainability of the farm as much, but also of its environmental sustainability. They're very concerned to look at the resilience, a common word being used through the discussion of the sustainable farming scheme, the resilience of the farm business as a financial and an environmental proposition. If you are shown to be sustainable in that review, then you would have entry, if you want, to the scheme. You need to pick up the options you want and develop the agreement that you want. The Welsh Government has been really very clear in this about the value of advice. And there are phrases that have been used in the papers that we've had that talk about the importance of seeing advice as an investment in the farm and the farmer, not as a cost. Now, for that to be true, that clearly has to be good advice. And that's very much what we in the CAV are working on in terms of ensuring that members are capable of giving that good advice about business, about the operations on the land, about the environmental side of it all. And it's very important to see it in that way. And we suspect that significant advice will be needed for this sustainable farming sustainability review. But it's a key entry stage. And the first of these reviews are to be in place in 2024. We suspect they will then unfold over the coming years after that and doubtless develop as that process proceeds. Uh, And as you mentioned there, a lot of the detail remains sketchy, so we will look forward with interest to to some of the announcements that are likely to to follow uh, next year. But have you picked up any feedback from members on the current uh, plans shared by government? Is this clearly a massive change uh, for farming businesses, moving from a system whereby they were very familiar with being paid on the basis of how much land they had within their control? This is a shift in mindset towards being paid on results. The payment levels will need to be set uh, potentially on a, on a better foundation or a better calculated basis now with a co- with a compensation element gone by the wayside. But it's still quite a change for many business owners to grapple with. Oh, it's going to be a big change for quite a number of farmers to grapple with. Farmers have lived with an area, what's essentially been an area payment system since 1993. We had the McSharry payments in Wales, very largely livestock payments, but with stocking limits. We have had arable area aid for those involved in that. We then moved to the single payment, paying expressly by area. And then we've had basic payment doing exactly the same. So for a generation, farmers have been paid to be where they are, to occupy land, and have built their business structures, their approach to income, and very largely, of course, fed a lot of that into cost. And that will be an important part of this. And that will matter when we come to look at the transition arrangements to the new sustainable farming scheme. 
how members view it, I think there's a key phrase in one of the earlier papers from the Welsh Government that this is a something-for-something policy. And that element of commerciality, of business, of handshake, that this isn't subsidy, but this is a deal, is, I think, seen as quite important. Beyond that, I think members dealing with the practical here and now of of business today are waiting to see more of the real detail of the scheme before commenting on it, understanding it better. This is a scheme that is clearly still three and a half years away from substantive initial implementation, let alone its final form. And finally, before we wrap up the podcast, it's probably worth just touching upon the interactions between some of the policies being developed in Wales with other parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, For example, DEFRA's uh, consultation and proposals around gene editing. How are these things going to interplay with with devolved policies being developed now? Um, Will there be an element of continuity and consistency in some parts or will there be greater divergence? Well, this is all a completely fascinating area as we're testing devolution, which was written essentially within the EU, now being uh, applied outside the EU. We have a UK internal market. We have UK rules for trade, but we have fundamentally devolved agricultural and environmental policies to Wales and the other territories within the United Kingdom, yet yet in a UK common market. And that means that, for example, Wales can set rules as to the plastics in which goods are sold or, as you've just mentioned, around gene editing and how that might be used. And yet different rules and approaches could be taken in England or in other parts of the United Kingdom. And how this works through is a very interesting question. We've just had, and you've raised gene editing quite specifically, we've just had the first response from the government in London about how it's looking at gene editing in England. It clearly sees that gene editing, which is, if, can be seen as accelerating what, could, what might happen through natural breeding. It's working within the genes of an organism, whereas genetic modification is moving genes between different species. And so by switching off one gene, uh, pig respiratory sy- syndrome has been cured as a disease. Now that's not yet commercially available, but that is, that is adding nothing to the pig's genetic basis. Would that become legal? We wait to see. What DEFRA has said is it's willing to make research a great deal easier. It has said very little about bringing anything to market, which is where it would be a bigger challenge were Wales to retain its stance against genetic uh, modification and, and editing. So I think you're watching there London realising that there are constraints both in its potential markets in Europe and in the internal trade. There's a lot of synergy, though, with issues, other issues. There is a common UK market monitoring group bringing together the various governments in the UK to meet monthly to look at markets, to look at what's happening in the milk market or the lamb market and see if where conditions are and where the steps should be taken and so on. And that's one of the many ways in which the various agriculture departments liaise in terms of managing a larger economic policy for agriculture. Uh, And indeed, we're now seeing the beginnings, the first meetings of an agriculture partnership as a UK-wide consultative arrangement, bringing a wider group of people together to look at how agriculture issues interact across the United Kingdom. So with a very open border, as Wales has with England, these issues, possible distortions, possible opportunities, 
all become really quite material, but in ways we're frankly yet to understand. And just before we close, Jeremy, what other aspects will we expect to see in the, the Welsh Agriculture Bill? Well, this is a bill that, as I said, is having to replace the Agriculture Act 2020 to give the Welsh government full powers to manage an agricultural policy. So we see in the Agriculture Act powers for carcass classification. We see essential weights and measures type stuff. We see powers for uh, private storage and intervention in exceptional market circumstances, such as the European Union used in the early days of the lockdown or with Russian sanctions and other periods of market turbulence. The sorts being able to handle the sorts of situation that arose during foot and mouth in 2001. We also see uh, the probability that they will want to take powers over collecting data, uh, the management of data, which could become very important for the delivery of a productive and efficient agriculture and, and an environment. We will be looking at powers over animal health and welfare, so both public goods and productivity in that. We would be looking at uh, possibly powers over supply chain contracts, as the Agriculture Act in England now has and, and, and could apply to Wales until the end of 2024. So it's the spread of what else is an agricultural policy where perhaps our eye has been off the ball in only looking at payments when there is so much else that is the essential framework for a policy that produces food productively for a market the people that have confidence to buy in it. And that's a really important point, uh, that there's much more than just payments within the remit of this new bill. Well, Jeremy, that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for joining this podcast. And there we are. We've reached the end of yet another episode of the CAAV podcast. If you want to keep up to date with all future episodes or indeed catch up on previous ones, please head to our website or you can subscribe for free on whichever platform you use. Also, if you've got any feedback or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch by sending us an email to inquire at caav.org.uk. But that's it for today. Until the next time, thank you very much for listening and bye for now.